0: Welcome in on this Monday morning. It's Sports Decaf, and it is your co host, Thaddeck Abdullah. Yo, what's up, everyone? It's your boy, Thodic Fatul. For all you, for all of you out there who are listening to this, make sure you get yourself a good breakfast. Most important meal of the day, but let's start it off with some. We're going to start it off with some NBA basketball. We're going to talk about the Lakers trade. We're also going to talk about, you know, Brooklyn, you know, in terms of signing Kyrie Irving and possibly losing Danzel Russell. And then we're also going to talk about the Mavericks, you know, if if D'Lo slips away, should the Mavericks, you know, have high pursuit on D'Lo? And then we're going to talk about the, Deont- uh, the Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury part two fight that might happen 2020. And we're going to get into Tyson Fury's statement win. But to start off the show, who won the Lakers-New Orleans trade?
1: Um, I think... We don't have a clear cut set of who won that trade. I think for, for right now, for the short term, I think obviously that the uh, Lakers won. But I do love the young core that the Pelicans have right now. Um, I like what I like what the Lakers did. I think they were in, you know, they were in survival mode. If they didn't get Anthony Davis, I wasn't sure that they were going to get anyone in free agency. But now you have Anthony Davis, you have LeBron James, and I think you were able to keep Kyle Kuzma. Um, and then also no disrespect to this draft class the number four pick of this draft class is not as valuable as it has been in recent years Um, I also look at you know Brandon Ingram has blood clots right now in the immediate future it's looking like the Lakers won the trade but I'm not going to hold my horses on you know to the New Orleans Pelicans because they still have an uh, amazing young core with Zion Williamson Lonzo Ball Josh Hart Brandon Ingram Um, I know Julius Randle just declined his player option but it's looking like the Pelicans might re-sign him so that's an amazing, I mean, and then now you want to talk about prison defense. Who was going to get by Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball? I mean, that's going to be a state penitentiary in Louisiana. I mean, that's going to be crazy, a, a crazy backcourt in terms of defensively. Other than that, I like what the Pelicans did. And then now we got to talk about this. And in, in year 2023, 2025, they have unprotected swaps. Meaning uh, whenever LeBron James' contract is over in 2022, we've historically seen teams Get drastically worse whenever LeBron James lose, uh, leaves that team. You know, uh, whenever we talk about Cleveland, we talk about Miami. They became lottery teams, and it was smart by the Pelicans. Year 2023, right the year right after LeBron James leaves, we get to switch, we get to swap picks, and year 2025. So I think it was smart on the Pelican side. I think that they definitely made a, a bunch of great moves. David Griffin, shout out to him. Other than that, I mean, the Lakers had to make this trade. They had to give up <clears throat> a, a, a lot of people. But that's what you got to do whenever you're in Lakers, uh, excuse me, whenever you're a Lakers organization. They chase superstars. And that's what you had to do to get Anthony Davis.
0: Uh, I think I have a different view on it. I think long term, New Orleans definitely won the trade. In short term, I think New Orleans also won the trade simply because, you know, you weren't going to win with AD to begin with. You know, the, the team was headed nowhere with him. You bring in a guy like Zion Williamson, you still have Drew Holiday, who's one of the best defenders at the point guard position in the league then you bring in Lonzo Ball that you know like you said that's going to be a dynamic duo and then Brandon Ingram let's not forget he's a two-way player he just came off of his best season of his career and he seems to get better year by year I think you know the blood clot blood clots shouldn't derail him any much I think he should be good to go coming into next season and then let's keep in mind you know if they can also bring in Julius Randle you know which I mean it's looking 50-50 right now but, I mean, this team is definitely heading in the right direction. They've got a, you know, solid bench now. You've got Alfred Payton. Now you got Josh Hart coming off the bench. I mean, the future is bright for this Pelicans team. I mean, the way uh, Brandon Ingram's looking like, he, he's going to be a star in the league. he would probably be an all-star two to three years from now. And then you got Lonzo Ball, who I think this is the best move for his career, if not his future, because, I mean, now you're out of the spotlight now it's just grind mode. You come into New Orleans, which is not a real high-market team. It's not, you know, a broadcast, ESPN, you know, every week type of team. You know, now he gets to focus on himself. You know, he's, he's away from big ball or brand. I think this Pelicans team can be something special. It's not going to be a one-year thing where, you know, we're going to see that improvement. It's going to be, you know, a three-, four-year process where it's like, you know, this team can be a competitor, you know, for years to come. And I think you know they also got the fourth pick in the draft, which, you know, I mean a lot of people have been sleeping on Cam Cam Reddish, which I mean the he thing, can the, he can.
1: The thing is the thing is New Orleans not even gonna try to sh- probably even you know yeah. choose that choose at number four. I think they're trying to get a trade and whatnot. But I do agree with you on this. I don't see New Orleans making that trade with Brandon Ingram included if, if they don't if they don't assume that he's gonna be healthy. Yeah. I just don't see them doing that. I think Brandon Ingram is gonna be healthy. I don't see them making the trade. But other than that, I agree with you. I'm, the... Tremendous young core up there in terms of best young cores in the, in, in the NBA now. And imagine the lobs you can throw from Lonzo to, you know, to Zion Williamson, for example. It's going to be crazy in New Orleans. I just like what the Lakers did because if the Lakers did not get Anthony Davis, they're sure as hell probably not getting Kyrie Irving. Maybe a Kemba Walker at best. But other than that, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, we, we, it's 50-50 between him and, and the Clippers. Kevin Durant, I mean, we it's really 50-50 between him, Golden State, and New York. Yeah, so At
0: this point, they can't go after KD. I mean, LeBron's got three more years in L.A. He exactly. can't risk a one-year layoff.
1: Exactly. And, and, that's, and that's what it comes down to. Lakers had to make this trade, um, uh, and I and I do credit the Pelicans. They got as much as they could. Uh, Lakers, they were able to keep Kyle Kuzma, who is their third best player. And I've constantly said on the show, he's a great third wheel. And I think you know if they, it's looking like now they they might end up getting someone like a Kemba Walker, possibly a Kyrie Irving, uh, someone that a third star that they can match up with. Kyle, uh, Kyle Kuzma is a great fourth guy, a fourth option. And I think now they're going to really have to struggle to find role players. I think that's what it's going to come down to, especially for that Lakers roster, because now, you know, a lot of your players are free agents, such as Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Tyson Chandler, Michael Beasley, and then you just traded Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram. You're literally left with five people on the roster right now, and that's that's what it's come to. Um, You know, what the Lakers have to do, they're going to have to attack this free agency extremely smart. If they can't get someone that's a, per, a perennial all-star. They're gonna have to dice up their, their cap space, try to give someone a, you know, a, a nine million million dollar deal, such as a Danny Green, a Terrence Ross, you know, a Patrick Beverly, guys like that that can fill their role, that can play well with LeBron James. I think uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers did that. But I mean, other than that, I like the trade for the I like the trade for both sides of the team. I think the Lakers got what they desired, and Anthony Davis, a top, you know, six or seven player in the NBA. And then now New Orleans has one of the best young cores in the NBA.
0: Yeah. But I, I think where the Lakers screwed up is they kind of got desperate. They kind of made this trade too early. You know, now you got to wait for Anthony Davis to decline this $4 million bonus, which I think he possibly will to free up a little bit more cap space. I mean, right now they're sitting at a projected $23.7 million cap space. Had they waited just uh, 24 days, you know, 30 days longer to make that trade, they would be sitting at a cap space of $32.5 million, which is enough for a max slot. So I think now they put themselves in a financial situation which I think they should have waited on. You know, had you got that, you know, confirmation we're going to make this trade this and that, I think you should have waited until, you know, maybe July 30th to make it official. But I think overall, I think LA I think they have to pursue a, you know, a max slot. They have to, you know, get that max guy because I mean, I still don't think it's enough with just AD, LeBron and Kuzma. They're going to have to bring in another star in LA. Because they don't have any depth on that roster and they don't have enough money to get to that point. So I think overall, LA got a little bit desperate for AD. But I think if they can land another big name player, such as a Kyrie Irving or, you know, Kimba Walker or Bradley Beal, you know, who knows? I think this trade, you know, could be worth it if you can get one or two rings out of it. But if you don't get any championships in the next three years, this Lakers franchise is screwed for years to come. I mean, you're already on a six-year playoff, you know, no playoff run. I mean, it's looking bad. It, it, it's looking bad, but it's also looking good. But this was a high risk with, I don't think, a high reward in terms of this trade that well, they the, made. Well,
1: the thing is, the ultimate goal of the NBA is to win championships. So yeah. if you were able to win one or two championships for the city of Los Angeles, I think that you've fully executed that trade. I think that was a great trade for both sides of the team. And I think sometimes that can happen in the NBA. Now there's not a, sometimes a clear cut loser or a clear cut winner. Sometimes both sides get what they want. And I mean, I'm not saying that they got it in this instance because I don't know how the Lakers are gonna pan up to be in the next few years, but I'm looking at this roster. And I mean, I'm I'm obviously looking at the big three right now in, in Los Angeles with LeBron James, Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma. I really do feel like this Lakers team is probably the best team in the West, especially since Golden State has Kevin Durant injured. Um Thompson is going to obviously miss probably most of the year. Um, you also look at Houston, what's going on in Houston. Chris Paul is apparently being shipped around. Um, there's, a, there's a bunch of trade rumors going on in Houston. And, and you know, a, a team like Denver, who's quite not there yet, Lakers, it's time for the – I mean, Lakers, this is their prime time, especially since the Warriors are kind of stepping down for, for – or not stepping down, they're taking a pause button. Players are injured and whatnot. This is the perfect opportunity for the Lakers to possibly make, the, make it to the finals, make it to the Western Conference finals, and try to make some noise. I think that's what it's come down to. But, I mean, other than that, I like what New Orleans did. Um, you know, and I talk I'm, – I'm highlighting the unprotected swaps because there's been a history of whenever LeBron James leaves a team – that team gets drastically worse and they become a lottery team. You look at what happened in Cleveland. The the year that LeBron James left, I mean, they became one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, a 23 and 25, uh, excuse me, 2023 and 2025 unprotected swaps. I mean, that's that's going to that's going to be a little scary for LA unless unless Anthony Davis wants to sign long term, but I don't know how long Anthony Davis wants to sign. Granted, if LeBron James leaves, I think that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, and I think the last time the Lakers were in a situation like this, Kobe was 34, Dwight Howard was 26. I mean, LeBron James is 34, you know, coming off the worst injury of his career. I think he's still, you know, he's still LeBron James. And he got Anthony Davis, who's 26. I mean, will history, you know, follow its path? Or will the Lakers, you know, break that karma that's headed their way? Who knows? But – Man, I think Lakers have got to make another big move. I, I just don't think this is enough for the LA team. I mean, I like the way they did the trade because, regardless, I feel like they were gonna lose one—you know—a couple of their young guys. You know, had their contracts expire. they were they were a little upset, you know, over being shipped out and you know, shopped during the beginning of the season and things like that. So, I think the problem with LA—they were in desperation mode, and that's not what you want from a franchise like the LA Lakers. I mean, you've got to be better than that, but. That's just my overall feel on the take. I think New Orleans definitely won that trade.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. But, I mean, let's talk about another team that's trying to make moves in the free agency is the Brooklyn Nets. And right now it's looking like they might value Kyrie Irving over D'Angelo Russell. And a uh, question to you as Thodic is, is it a good move to value Kyrie, Irvin, Kyrie Irving excuse me, over D'Angelo Russell? H-
0: had you told me this maybe two years ago, you know, Cleveland, Kyrie, I probably would say, yeah. But as things unfolded, you know, in Boston, and you had a guy like Terry Rogier saying, you know, he had to sacrifice a lot. You bring in Kyrie with a team, you know, who's around the guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, who needs the ball in his hands, and Karis LaVert. I don't think it's a good move for Brooklyn. I think, you know, they've, they've got a good foundation over there. You know, a lot of guys are happy. They have a good culture in that locker room. But when you bring a guy like Kyrie Irving, who, you know, is not really a locker room friendly kind of guy, and he's real ball dominant – I think that can really affect that team. I mean, you got this Brooklyn team, you know, they're comfortable together. You've got a guy like Delo who's pretty much brought this team from rock bottom and he's brought them up into the spotlight. He's brought them to, you know, New York Basketball Lights camera action. I think Delo has got to be your number 1 priority in terms of, you know, a point guard position. I think New York has another, you know, Max Brooklyn has a max slot on their hands. They can pursue other guys. I mean, there's a Jimmy Butler out there. You know, you can possibly implement a guy like Julius Randle into that offense. I mean, there's a lot of big names in this free agency. I don't think Brooklyn should make their number one priority Kyrie Irving and giving up Delo You know, you know, making a sacrifice like that. I think that's too big and bold, and I think it's really going to affect this Brooklyn team.
1: People got to realize this: Is Kyrie Irving better than D'Angelo Russell? Yes, he is. But is he a better fit? No, he's not. And this situation just is giving me clear deja vu. I don't know how anyone hasn't talked about this, but. Let's take it back to whenever the Boston Celtics had Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, and everything. They were a darn good team. They were a great team. They were a number one seed. But were they a championship-caliber team? Did we look at them and we were like, this team's going to win a championship? No. We, that's, we didn't think that. Isaiah Thomas was a really good player. They made the trade, got Kyrie Irving. And one can argue they kind of got worse. That that Boston team, everyone bought in. Jalen Brown was looking really good. Al Horford played amazing. Now with Kyrie Irving on that roster last year, Roller coaster. It was a whole roller coaster. Ups and downs. Ups and downs. You got young players such as Terry Rozier going on first take, talking about how he sacrificed too much, or someone like Jalen Brown having to be, you know, shipped around in, in in the starting lineup. You know, sometimes coming off the bench, sometimes starting. And that's, that can honestly ruin a player's you know, mindset of the game. Someone like Gordon Hayward, who kind of had to rush back coming from injury. So you look at all these little things going around, and I don't think it, I don't think it's a good idea for Brooklyn to prioritize Kyrie Irving over D'Angelo Russell because I look at what D'Angelo Russell did for this Brooklyn team who took him in whenever they were one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, D'Angelo Russell has really developed as a man in, in Brooklyn, averaging 21, 4, and 7 with a steal and a half a game. I mean, and he's only age 23. I mean that's that's amazing, and that's yeah. what, that's what it comes down to. He's a young he's a young player. That Brooklyn team is a young team. I don't know if you insert Kyrie Irving, I don't know if that team is a championship caliber team. I think that's what it comes down to. I think they can maybe possibly win a few series, but I don't think that team is anywhere near that that the level that they want to be. Kyrie Irving, no disrespect to him, but after seeing what Kawhi Leonard just did in the playoffs, Kawhi Leonard. Just killed in the playoffs. I mean, literally. I mean, he and he had a second All Star on his team, but you know, Kyle Lowry is not really as a, a second best player on a championship team type of dude that we that we expect. So, looking at that, I don't know if Kyrie Irving is someone that can by himself lead a team to a championship. I think that's yeah. what it's come down to. You look at his years in Cleveland; he had never made the playoffs prior to LeBron James coming. You look at his years in Boston; um, they they made it to the Western Conference Finals without him the year that he played. They didn't make the Western Conference Finals. No disrespect, Eastern Conference. Eastern, excuse me, Eastern Conference Finals. But no disrespect to Kyrie Irving. But I look at this Brooklyn team, and I really do feel like they should prioritize DeAndre Russell, who is their guy, 23 years of age. Kyrie Irving hasn't shown great leadership instincts, and um, I'm honestly kind of surprised on how high his, how, excuse me, on how high his market is right now.
0: Yeah, I think you know Kyrie Irving is not you know a one man you know guy who can really lead a team to the promised land. He showed that in Boston that he can. not you know, he showed to the media he doesn't have that championship mentality in him. He needs a guy to lead the way for him, as you know, LeBron James did. I think Deandre Russell, you know, he can possibly be the best player on a championship team. I think we've seen his mentality, we've seen his takeover. I think he's just he's too young right now. He's still got a lot to learn. He's only getting better. And I think you gotta look at, you know, okay, Kyrie Irving's twenty seven year old twenty-seven years old. He's been to three NBA finals, but it was all with LeBron James on his side. I mean, Anyone can make a finals run with LeBron James as a you know another superstar next to him. I think his best move would be to go to LA. I think Brooklyn shouldn't value Kyrie over him because you know you look at the stats. The Russell gave you 21, 4, and 7. Has never really had any type of injury throughout his career. You know he's a real healthy type of guy. He's you know he's still young. I mean I feel like you know selling on a guy like this, I think you're gonna regret it you know later down the road because. I mean, L.A. let go of D'Lo, you know, saying he's immature. Well, he fixed that. He became a mature player. I mean, now you're going to sell D'Lo for a guy like Kyrie Irving, who I understand is a better player. But, I mean, D'Lo is going to be a guy who's going to, you know, you know, take that as motivation. And he's going to, you know, just get better from there. And whichever team gets him is going to be lucky to have him because I think – there's 10 15 teams that are going to shop for him at that point I think he's a guy you know you don't want to lose and that can really hurt the locker room in Brooklyn so I would not make that move from the Nets and the thing is about the Nets are they in a win now situation no no and that's
1: and that's what it comes down to what other superstar do they have I'm not saying that they're not going to get another superstar to pair up with Kyrie Irving but they are not in a win now situation they have a young player in Karis LeVert another young player in Spencer Dinwiddie they have a young player, a young center in Jared Allen. They have a young team that works. Sharpshooter. Sharpshooter Joe Harris, yep. I mean, they have a young team that's just not there yet. And it's it's the it's same thing as such, like, imagine if Denver tried trading Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and whatnot for a Kyrie Irving. It just wouldn't make sense. You, sometimes you got to let teams develop as their own. You know, and, and and a team that we could talk about is you know the Dallas Mavericks. They had Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki. They didn't really let them develop all the way into their primes. They shipped Steve Nash and whatnot. What happened? I I don't want to even get into that. But that's just a clear cut example of sometimes you kind of got to ride the wave. You kind of got to just roll with your players. DeAndre Russell is a 23 year old who means a lot to that Brooklyn city, even though he hasn't been there for too long. He means a lot to Brooklyn. And you know, 23 years a 20, excuse me, 23 years old who is arguably the most improved player of the year i just think it's clear it's clear cut i think sometimes as a franchise just because you have cap space doesn't mean you have to abuse your cap space in a way you don't have to sign a kyrie irving you can you can sign a tobias harris tobias harris with that with that team would be amazing or a jimmy butler for example guys that could fit in but you don't have to give up your franchise player in d'andre russell for someone like kyrie irving who's slightly better Exactly. And we and the thing is, we don't know how Kyrie Irving is going to perform in Brooklyn, especially as the number one option and as a leader.
0: Yeah. I mean, Kyrie Irving's 27 years old. He's had, you know, two major surgeries throughout his NBA career. I, I, ju- I just don't see it with Brooklyn. I mean, the guy's 27 years old. He's not getting any younger. But I mean, we've seen by the time Brooklyn can start competing, we're going to see Kyrie's game, you know, start to slow down. So I just don't know why that makes sense. New York's in a process to where it's you know, two to three years from now, we can probably be competing for a championship. But, you know, from here on out, I mean, Brooklyn should have that mindset of, you know, keep the guys we got. You know, we'll do what we can free agency. But, you know, just don't screw up what they have right now because I think they screwed it up with the Boston trade back then. Luckily enough, they recovered fast enough. And I I, I just I, I don't see any logic for what's going on in Brooklyn. They were on a good path. I think we might have jinxed them. I cuz mean, well, cuz now they've been starting to screw it up. Well, I mean, it's 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 not really screwing up. They haven't
1: done anything yet, but I mean, I, I do see what you're saying. Kyrie Irving, if Kyrie Irving goes to the Los Angeles Lakers, I think that could that could honestly be one of the best things for the Brooklyn Nets in a way. Yeah. Uh, if Kyrie Irving matches up with LeBron James and whatnot, great for both sides. You get to keep D'Angelo Russell, who's a young young stud, but and I LA mean, LA
0: really becomes that championship team.
1: Exactly. But there's one team that if Kyrie Irving goes to Brooklyn, I think this would be one of the best decisions that, that, that could affect this team, and it's the Dallas Mavericks. I think if Kyrie Irving ends up going to Brooklyn, that's going to leave D'Angelo Russell as a unrestricted, excuse me, as a restricted free agent, but Brooklyn's definitely not going to try to match the offer on that. So should the Mavs pursue D'Angelo De, uh, Russell heavily? Should they prioritize him over anyone else?
0: I, I, see, I would say heavily, but but then again, you know, there's a lot of teams that are going to be out there fighting for him, and I think, you know, with a free agency like this one, I mean, there's a lot of key guys you can get because I feel like, you know, we're valuing Dwight Powell a lot. I think we can probably steal a Julius Randle type of guy. So I would say, you know, try to steal in Julius Randle because we're really lacking, you know, a guy at the four and five position. So I feel like, you know, Julius Randle coming off the best season of his career, you know, giving you 21 points per game, 8.7 rebounds and three assists. I mean, that's not being talked about enough. I mean, he came off. This is a career year for him. You know, he's, he's shown a lot of promise. He's only 24 years old. And I think, you know, with AD coming out, you know, one can argue he could have been one of the best players on that New Orleans Pelicans team. And it's just a matter of, you know, what there is out there. You know, don't sell yourself too short because, you know, we've seen with the LaMarcus Aldridge trade, Mavs, you know, were too high on him. And we ended up getting no one that year. Luckily enough, you know, luck was in our favor. We got Luka Doncic. You know, I'm happy with it. We got Christophe Porzingis. But, you know, just don't sell yourself short. I mean, I love D'Angelo Russell, but the chances aren't likely of him landing in Dallas.
1: Well, the thing is, we have the second best odds to sign D'Angelo Russell, which is, you know, kind of of a hint that maybe we can pursue this guy heavily and that he might want to become a Dallas Maverick. So I look at D'Angelo Russell and a lot of people have been hinting at Kemba Walker being a Dallas Mavericks uniform. Um, I think I'm just on the other side of that. Uh, You can call me crazy, but I just don't think Kemba Walker with Dallas would be a clear and cut fit. I don't think it'd be great. I'd rather have D'Andre Russell on the Mavericks than I would have Kemba Walker. And that's what it's come down to. Kemba Walker is someone who's six foot, six foot one. And I'm just afraid. I'm afraid on two things. Number one, can he play off the ball? Can he play off the ball with Luka Doncic and, you know, Kristaps Porzingis? Kemba Walker has never really had a great two guard with him. Never. You know, who's the best two guard that he's had with him in his career? Uh, I mean, Jeremy Lamb. I mean, I mean, call me foolish, maybe a Tony Parker or something like that. But Kemba Walker hasn't had a great backcourt to begin with, so he's constantly had the ball in his hands. Number two, I'm afraid in playoff times, in playoff times, Kemba Walker might get torched on defense. That's what it's, he's six foot one eighty. It's nothing you can change about that. You look at what they're doing to Steph Curry. How they constantly have to switch. How he constantly has to guard someone with limited offensive capabilities. We might have to give Kemba Walker that treatment if he was in Dallas Mavericks uniform. But now flip it. DeAndre Russell is 23 years old. Luka Doncic is 19 years old. Kristaps Porzingis is a, as of the age 22, 23, 24 of those in that range. That's a young core. D'Angelo Russell is 6'5, a slim defender who can play off the ball. He just played with Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, guys that demand the ball, but he played off the ball with them and played tremendously. I look at that I look at that three. D'Angelo Russell who's a long, slim guard who can play off the ball, who's young, who fits every single checkbox that we need, I think that would be a great acquisition for the Dallas Mavericks. I think that we should pursue him. Granted, if Kyrie Irving goes to goes to Brooklyn, but other than that, I look at what D'Angelo Russell brings to the Dallas Mavericks, what he could bring, excuse me, to the Dallas Mavericks organization. I think it's a lot. I think it's a team that could that could be a playoff team instantly.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree as well because I feel like, you know, you can't really do a lot with the small point guard, you know, who's around six foot, six foot one. But I think, you know, you value a guy like D'Lo, who's 6'5", and once it hits the fourth quarter, it's ice in my veins time. You know, it's D'Lo time. He's not there to play around. And I think you surround him with a guy, Luka Doncic, who's also shown himself to be one of the best clutch players in the league, you know, as only a rookie. I mean, that's just phenomenal. And then you have, you know, it's him and D'Lo, you know, side by side. I mean, who are you going to guard in the fourth quarter? Any of, any of those guys can get hot. Then you've got Porzingis, you know, we're just waiting on how he comes back from that injury. I think that is the right fit for Dallas, but there's going to be a lot of teams going after him. I, th- I think that's going to be the issue. They're going to throw big chunks of money at him. I think the Pacers have you know the highest potential of landing him if New the Nets let him slip. I think that'll be a nice core. You know Victor Oladipo, Thaddeus Young. I mean you've got you've got some nice guys in Indiana, and I just think you know that that's going to be the way to go if I were DeAndre Russell. Thing is, if I'm D'Angelo Russell, I, and I'm not even saying this with bias, I mean, I look
1: at what the math can, can do for you. In the math, first of all, they have room for a max slot and then some. So, you know, what, what we're going to do with D'Angelo Russell is that if we sign D'Angelo Russell, who says that we still can't get a, a respectable center? You know, and a name that can come up, especially after seeing his finals performance, is someone like Kevon Looney, who can switch on literally every single position, um, or someone like a Brook Lopez, for example. Guys that can fit the system, basically. And you know, I, 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 like, I like what D'Angelo Russell did last season, tremendous season last season, and he showed a lot of leadership. You talked about how, how clutch he is in the fourth quarter. Well, my friend, we already have someone who's extremely clutch. So imagine if one night, for example, I mean, Luka Doncic is having a bad night. D'Andre Russell's right there to pick him up. Then that's what it's come down to. You have two great closers. And we honestly haven't seen Kristaps Porzingis in a closing situation. Mm-hmm. So we don't know we don't know how to judge Kristaps Porzingis in terms of closing. But with the small sample size we have, Luka Doncic is a great closer. Russell is a great closer. If we can get guys to fit that big three around us, I think this Mavs team will be extremely special. I think there will be a playoff team, uh, presumably a, a, a middle-of-the-pack type of a, a sixth seed, fifth to fourth Type of type of team. I don't know how the West is going to shape out, honestly, especially after during this free agency. But I definitely think that the Mavs should pursue D'Angelo Russell heavily. Um, And that's what it's come down to. I think, first of all, you got to pursue your big names. And I've always constantly said this. There's no point of having this much cap space without at least trying to get a meeting with Kawhi Leonard, without trying to get a meeting with a Kevin Durant or whatnot. But you got to see what Kyrie Irving does. And that's that's a domino. And that's how he affects the game. That's what if you're a superstar, you're a free agent, you affect the NBA in multiple ways. So if Kyrie Irving goes to Brooklyn, the Mavs might have a great chance of, of landing D'Angelo Russell. And we do have the second highest odds behind Brooklyn to sign D'Angelo Russell. I'm not too much of a numbers type of dude, but those numbers speak a little, uh, excuse me, they speak a little value. So I look at what the Mavs can do. I think D'Angelo Russell being with the Dallas Mavericks, I think that would be special.
0: Yeah. And I, I think D'Angelo Russell is a guy who, you know, has shown that he doesn't need the spotlight. You know, he can ca- kind of do his own thing. I mean, Brooklyn, they weren't really, you know, high on, you know, television, you know, before D'Lo got there. I mean, as he got there, they became, you know, must-watch basketball. They became an entertaining team. I think he comes to Dallas. It's going to be the same thing. You know, it's going to be much-watch basketball. You got Luka. You got D'Lo. You got Porzingis coming back. It's going to be something nice, but I just feel like the odds are not in our favor on this one. It would be nice, but who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah,
1: yeah, no doubt about it. But you speak about, talk about waiting and seeing. I'm waiting for this Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder fight. So let's recap what what happened the other day. Tyson Fury versus Tom Schwartz in a, you know, regular type of fight. Tyson Fury defending his lineal heavyweight title. But Tyson Fury, I mean, crisp performance, amazing performance, ends up knocking out Tom Schwartz in the second round. So should Deontay Wilder be
0: worried? Oh, definitely he should be worried. I mean, Tyson Fury came into this fight in Las Vegas as Apollo Creed. Let's not forget the man's from the UK. I mean, he just, he looks straight American in the ring. I mean, that Muhammad Ali head movement in the first round. I mean, he was just looking crisp. I mean, when, when Deontay Wilder fought him the first time, we can all argue Tyson Fury was out of shape. He argued himself. He said his best shot was beating me that first fight, which, you know, ended up in the draw, which I think Tyson Fury won that fight. Deontay Wilder's in danger. I mean, Tyson Fury has just been looking phenomenal lately. He's been looking like he's in the best shape of his career. He's only 30 years of age. I mean, let's not forget Tom Schwartz is not no scrub. He's just not at the Tyson Fury caliber. There's a lot of guys in the heavyweight division that, you know, can't hang with the man. Tom Schwartz, you know, last six fights, they didn't go past the sixth round. He was just knocking guys out. He he was 24-0, 16 knockouts heading into the fight. And Tyson Fury just made him look like a complete amateur. He told him before the fight, you know, you don't stand one round with me. Ended up going to two, pretty close. I mean, a TKO victory. It's just, I mean, there's levels to this. There's, you know, Deontay Wilder, knockout artist, but a complete boxer with skill. I just don't see it. I don't think he has enough. I think, you know, he relies on that one hit too much. He showed it the first fight. I think coming to the second fight, Fury's only going to get better. He's going to work on his mistakes. You know, his head movement is just something I haven't seen since Muhammad Ali for a heavyweight division. I mean, it's too crisp. He's silky smooth. I mean, the way he just, you know, you just don't know what he's going to throw at you. I think Deontay Wilder's in danger, but it's still a fight that both guys must take. It's a big payday. It's going to be, you know— one of the biggest heavyweight fights since, you know, Tyson was in the ring. And I, I think it's only getting better from here. I think, you know, we were a little too focused on the Anthony Joshua fight. But, you know, some can argue Tyson Fury, you know, fought some bum. Well, Tyson Fury is just staying busy. There's no one in the heavyweight division that can hang with him. I mean, any guy he fights at this point outside of Deontay Wilder or Anthony Joshua, they're going to be like, you know, he's nothing. You know, he's a scrub. He's a bum. But, no, it's just Tyson Fury's at another level. He is who he is, and he's the best heavyweight in the world for a reason. And, I mean, that's all I got to say about the man. The man is no jokes when it comes to boxing. He's got it all.
1: That That's the thing. I think Deontay Wilder should have been worried the moment that they got that draw because he knew he was going to get a rematch. I think that's what it's come down to. De, uh, uh, Deontay Wilder, who is, in a way, a one-dimensional type of boxer, who's a knockout specialist. Tyson Fury, you said it. He's the, he's the real deal. He's the complete package. He can switch stances. He can, you know – he can amazing jabs and whatnot. Great defender. I mean, you look at what what Tyson Fury did last night. I mean, just crisp performances. We know that he was a better boxer than Tom Schmorch. But the way that he boxed, the way that he executed every single movement. And there was a there was a time in the fight where Tyson Fury is being held on the ropes and Tom Schwartz is throwing haymakers left and right. Tyson Fury dodging them with his head. I mean, that was that was amazing. But I look at what Tyson Fury, what what he can do against Deontay Wilder. I think Tyson Fury will easily beat Deontay Wilder. Tyson Fury is in much better shape. He's l- looking like he's one of the best heavyweights in the world. I really, it's really come down to those two, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Um, a lot of people, you know, have had their hopes up on Anthony Joshua, but I think Anthony Joshua is a clear-cut third, maybe even fourth after that Andy Ruiz fight. So,
0: I, I still got him over Andy Ruiz. You got him over I, Andy. Yeah, Ruiz. Okay, definitely.
1: well that's that's fair enough. But and that's we gotta see. Th- this might be the year of rematches. We look at what Andy Ruiz, you know. If he fights Anthony Joshua, what's going to happen between them two? But Tyson Fury, I think Deontay Wilder should be extremely worried. I think he should have been worried for, ever since Tyson Fury wanted to make that comeback. I think Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight fighter in the division. I've felt like this for a while. I think the way that Tyson Fury fights is so methodical, just kind of, kind of like you're playing chess. It's
0: it's, I mean, it's beautiful. It's just like art. It's definitely poetry in motion, but I think the thing that makes Tyson Fury special is that I mean, he's, he's a complete boxer. You know, his, his defense is there. You know, his hand-eye coordination, his footwork. I mean, he's just got it all. And, you know, one can argue the guy is still a little bit overweight in the way he's moving like that, you know. Th- but there's there's one thing I want to touch up on. I mean, the last fight, Deontay Wilder did not look like a boxer at all. I mean, this is, this is something you can't learn in a year or two years. Deontay Wilder's been fighting, you know, since his early 20s. Tyson Fury has been fighting since, you know, maybe the age of nine. This is something that takes, you know, 10, 15 years to perfect. And I think Wilder, I don't know if he can get any better than what we saw the last fight. But Fury definitely can. You know, he's getting more in shape. You know, his movement's looking better. I mean, he just, he has it all as a boxer. I I don't even know if uh, Deontay Wilder can get past Anthony Joshua. I think Anthony Joshua is, you know, more of a complete boxer. But the only question now is his chin. You know, can he handle that big shot? That's the thing we about Deontay know. Wilder. He's a yeah. breaker of he, he, he's always Deontay Wilder, the problem with him is, you know, we, we know at this point he, he's not, you know, a boxer. He's a knockout artist. You know, he'll get in the ring and he'll put you to sleep. But, I mean, I feel like at this point, Tyson Fury, you know, he's only getting more in shape. And I think as the fight progresses, it's only going to get worse for Deontay Wilder. So he's now it's going to get to a point where he's got to land that knockout early, you know, one through the first through fourth rounds. I mean, it's not going to land in the 12th, 11th round like it did last fight. So I just feel like, you know, if Walder was going to fight Fury, it should have been right after an immediate rematch. But regardless, both guys are going to win at the end of the day. It's just going to come to your legacy. You know, who cares about the win more? I mean, that's what we're going to see in 2020. But both guys are going to get paid. Both phenomenal heavyweight fighters. You know, we can't take nothing away from it. At the end of the day, there's just levels to this, and Fury is, you know, a couple levels over both of those guys.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I completely agree with you. Um, I look at what Tyson Fury can bring to the boxing uh, stage, what he brings to the ring. It's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. Excuse me. Six, nine, 260, The way he moves, I mean, it's it's amazing. And I look at Deontay Wilder, who is in tremendous shape. who's a physical phenom, but he just, it, when it comes down to the fundamentals, he's just he's a great knockout specialist and that's really his strong suit. Tyson Fury has a bunch of strong suits, and that's what it's come down to. So, I mean, I definitely want to see the rematch, and I'm just, I- I'm waiting for the rematch. Oh uh, really.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely watching that rematch. I hope it's not nail, I hope it actually is a nail-biter like the last one. We didn't know what we were seeing. I mean, I looked at you, you know, that knockout when I thought Tyson Fury was dead, and I thought it was over, and then somehow the man got up. You know, will we see a part two, or will we just see Tyson Fury, you know, take it from the get-go? Who knows? it's boxing. One hit can change the whole fight. We're going to have to wait and see. It's definitely going to be a good fight. There's a lot of good fights coming up. Maybe Triple G, Canelo, part three. We got Earl Spence, you know, looking at big names. Maybe we're going to see him and Keith Thurman. We've got Pacquiao and Keith Thurman coming up. I mean, boxing is definitely back. I mean, my man's Lomashenko. We got to get that Gravante Davis fight. I mean, there's a lot of good things happening in this boxing world, but Man, it's still a business, and it's just, when will we see the best fight the best at their best? Who knows? That's the only problem with boxing. It's the only thing I hate, but it's Sports Decaf. It's a Monday morning. It's your boy, Thadak Abdullah. It's your boy, Thadak Fatul. We out.